Titus chapter 1, what a pastor must be, part 2. Past couple of weeks we've been studying the qualifications of a pastor, which we've learned is a bishop, which is also the same as an elder, right? It's all the same thing. <clears throat> and Paul began by giving Timothy negative qualifications for a pastor, telling Timothy what a bishop must not be. And then after that, Paul started giving Timothy positive qualifications for a pastor, telling Timothy what a pastor or an elder or a bishop must be. And we began looking at those positive qualifications last week in verse 8. And now this morning, by God's grace, we're going to move on to verse 9 and continue our study of what the Apostle Paul said a pastor must be. So if you look with me now in verse 9, Paul said a pastor must be a man who is holding fast the faithful word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word this morning. I pray, Lord, you'll strengthen my voice this morning and help it to hold out. And you'll fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. May all eyes be upon you today. We ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Give us the understanding we need in Christ's name. Amen. A pastor must be a man who is holding fast the faithful word. Now, if you're taking notes or if you want to write in your margin, holding fast in the Greek, it means to adhere to something. Or if you're from East Texas and just want it plain and straight, it means to stick to something. How about that? To stick to something. Paul is saying that a pastor must be a man that sticks to the Word of God. Now, I want you to notice, boy, we need more of that this morning too. I want you to notice that Paul didn't say that a pastor has to use the Word of God. There's a lot of pastors. This, this dear man that wrote me last night uh, wanting to know that he's saved, uh, he has been exposed to uh, Seventh-day Adventist teaching, which is false teaching. He's been exposed to uh, Calvinistic teaching, uh, which is true teaching, but has a mixture of false doctrine in it. And he's been exposed to so many different uh, doctrinal teachings. And every one of the teachers that he's been listening to all hold this same book in their hands. They all open it up. They all quote from it. They all supposedly teach from it. And so he, Paul didn't say that he has to use the Word of God. They all use the Word of God. But we have to hold fast to it. We have to stick to it. And there's a difference between using it and sticking to it. We're going to look at that, God willing, this morning. False teachers use the Word of God. They quote from it. They hold it in their hands while they preach. So they use the Word of God. The problem is they also add to the Word. They take away from the Word. They twist the Word. False teachers will use the Word, but true Bible teachers will stick to it. Oh, man. It's even hard for Baptists to stick to the Word of God. But a true pastor is going to stick to the Word of God. And now I want you also to notice 
that Paul didn't say that a pastor must hold fast to the traditions of their denomination. You see? They're going to hold fast to what? The faithful word. (laughs) But not to the traditions of their denomination. If you're teaching what your denomination teaches, but if the Bible teaches something else, then you're not holding fast to the faithful word. When I was in my 20s, uh, the church I attended at that time was very strict on a lot of things. And I remember uh, one of the things they were strict on, especially for preachers, is what a person wore. Their clothing they wore was very, very strict. And, uh, and, and also their facial hair for preachers was very, very strict. And if you did not have a tie on, like I have on this morning, then you could not stand in the pulpit and preach. Just was not allowed. And uh, that wasn't a work for me Wednesday night. I didn't have one on Wednesday night. Uh, And the leaders of this denomination were constantly telling us that Christians have to stick to the Bible, which, of course, we all agreed with. The problem was when they told us that a pastor could not have facial hair, like me, and when they told us that a pastor had to have a tie on when he preached, I, I, I don't sometimes, they never gave us a Bible chapter and a Bible verse when they preached that. You see what they were doing at that time? They were separating from the Word of God. They weren't sticking with it. And they began teaching the traditions of man, you see. And there's a difference. We have to be able to stick to the Word of God. But they never gave us a chapter and verse in the Bible. And just think about this with me. That says that a preacher has to have a piece of cloth tied around his neck before he can preach the Bible. Could you imagine finding something so silly like that in the Bible? But they never gave us a chapter in the verse in the Bible that says that a preacher has to be clean shaven before he can preach the word of God. Yet they preached these rules so strongly so emphatically, and they believed them so wholeheartedly that as I was in that church, you know what I began doing? I began looking down on other preachers that didn't wear a tie or that had facial hair. I began looking down, and we all looked down on them, and we kind of saw them as subpar preachers, you know, because they didn't hold up to our traditions. But I want you to think about that just a moment. The Lord Jesus Christ said there wasn't a man born among women greater than John the Baptist. Out of all the preachers to baptize the Lord Jesus Christ, out of all the men of God to be the forerunner for the long-promised Messiah, God chose John the Baptist. Yet John would not have been allowed to speak In the church that I attended. John the Baptist would not be allowed to speak. In the majority. uh, Of these types of denominations. That I attended at that time. Why? Simply because of how he dressed. Now he was clean I'm sure. Uh, He sure stayed a lot in the water didn't he? (laughs) And I'm sure that he was modest. In how he dressed and everything. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 3 verse 4. The Bible says, and the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle 
about his loins. Now, if I would have climbed up these stairs this morning, being fully dressed, but wearing camel hair and a leather girdle, I'm sure some people may have been offended. Some of you may not have been offended, but you may have thought, my goodness, what's gotten into Brother Richard? But let let me just share something with you this morning. God doesn't care about a preacher's fashion on the outside. God cares about a preacher's holiness on the inside. That's what God cares about. Jesus Christ himself preached the gospel. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And he did it all without a tie on and wearing a beard. Rose from the dead and sat down at the right hand of God without any of those things. And so that scripture... That's sticking with the word of God. So if a man teaches one thing, and yet the Bible teaches something else, or if the Bible is silent on a particular matter, and that pastor or that preacher is teaching something that the Bible is silent on, then that preacher is not holding fast to the word of God. He is using the word of God while holding fast to his tradition. You see the difference? The Pharisees and Sadducees, they looked down on John and they looked down on Jesus. They didn't think they quite met up to the standard of religious leadership. Why? Because the, the Jesus and John, they held fast to the scriptures. But they did not hold fast to the Pharisees and Sadducees' religious rules. If we don't remind ourselves of this as Christians, we can easily find ourselves like I did at one time, looking down on someone that God is actually lifting up. And boy, what a, what a backward place to be on, to look down on someone that God is exalting. The true measure of any preacher is if that preacher adheres to the Word of God. The devil wants pastors to hold fast to something else besides the Bible. He'll try every way he can to get a pastor to compromise on the Bible, to get a pastor to substitute in some form or fashion the pure teaching of God's Word. Pure Bible teaching won't draw the crowds. Just look around here. We've got plenty of empty pews. Pure Bible teaching will not draw the crowds. You can't please the world. You can't please the religious world by preaching the Bible as it's written. It just doesn't excite them enough. It doesn't, uh, 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 it won't hold their attention enough or what have you. But I tell you what, you may not be able to please the religious world by the pure preaching of the Bible as it's written, but you will be sure to please God. And as a pastor, that's all that matters to me. I want to please the Lord. Notice that Paul called God's word, what kind of word? The faithful word. You see that? The faithful word. Simply put, what Paul is saying when he says the faithful word, he's saying that God's word can be trusted. Oh, my goodness. You may not be able to trust your politician. You may not be able to trust your doctor. Have y'all ever looked for a second opinion before? Have y'all ever, ever stuck with the first opinion and wished you wouldn't have? 
You may not be able to trust your doctor. You may not be able to trust what the experts in this world tell you. But I tell you what, you can always trust the faithful word of God. The Bible will never steer you wrong. I've been studying the Bible now for over 30 years or right around 30 years. And I have found in that time period that the world is full of liars. But the Bible has been to me every time a faithful and true witness. I thank God for the scriptures. That's why pastors have to hold fast to the faithful word. Because people today need a faithful witness and a faithful example to follow. The more you take God's word away from the people, the more animalistic they become. The more unrighteous and unholy they become. Look back in your text now. Paul said a pastor uh, has to hold fast to the faithful word. How? As he hath been taught. Now let me explain something here in the Greek. Paul's not saying that a man must preach the Bible the way he's been taught the Bible. But we'd all be in a mess if that's what Paul was saying. Okay? He's not saying that he has to teach the Bible the way he's been taught. I believe that's a... Uh, not a very good translation there, okay? Because the pastor may have been taught the Bible wrong. Have you all ever been taught the Bible wrong? Yeah. So if all we did was take the Bible and teach it to you as somebody taught it to us, we could be in trouble. We could be taking an error and then handing that error down to you. I've been taught a lot of things that are wrong uh, from the Bible, but the Bible has never been wrong itself. In the Greek, what Paul is actually saying here is that a pastor must hold fast to the faithful word according to the doctrine, literally the doctrine, according to the teaching of that word, not the teaching of another man. He's not saying hold fast to the faithful word as he has been taught by somebody else, but hold fast to the faithful word as the faithful word actually teaches him. Does that make sense? A pastor must hold fast to what the Bible actually teaches. That's what Paul's trying to say. And oh, how important it is that we pastors let the Bible do its own teaching <laughs> and not let our teaching begin to obscure what the Bible teaches. You see, the Bible, if you'll turn that Bible loose, it'll teach itself. If you'll just take the scriptures and read them and explain what they're saying with study, that Bible will just teach itself. Paul said that's the kind of man a pastor must be, and he must be that kind of pastor in order, look back in your text, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to, number one, exhort. To exhort. There's two objects that a pastor will accomplish by holding fast to the faithful teaching of God's word. First, when a pastor holds fast to the teaching of the faithful word of the Bible, he, by that teaching, is enabled to exhort those who take heed to the word of God. He's enabled to exhort those who take heed to the word of God. Second, he is able to convict those 
who take aim at the word of God. Let me repeat that again. First, he's able to exhort those who take heed to the word of God. I believe a lot of y'all are taking heed to the word of God this morning. I see your heads going up and down as you're listening and you're, you come here to learn what the Bible says. So with the faithful teaching of God's word this morning, with sound doctrine, I'm enabled to exhort those who take heed to the word of God. But not only do we exhort those who take heed to the word of God, but we have to be able to convict those who take aim at the word of God. We don't have a bunch of people out here in this world that just the Bible's cheerleaders, do we? We've got a bunch of people in this world that hate the Bible. They hate the people that preach the Bible and those that follow it. But first, Paul said, holding fast to the teaching of the faithful word, a pastor will be able to exhort those who take heed to the word of God. And to exhort someone, it means to draw someone near to you like a father would draw a child. We've seen that, uh, that Greek word over and over in the Bible before, and I've explained it. And then to give that person wise and loving counsel from the scriptures every Sunday Every Wednesday, when you enter this church to study the Bible, and you know what the Holy Spirit is doing? The Holy Spirit, through the teaching of the faithful Word of God, the Holy Spirit is drawing you near. He's pulling you into Him. And He's giving you wise and faithful counsel from the teaching of the Scriptures. Not corrupt doctrine. Not tainted doctrine. But what did Paul say enables that pastor to do this? Through what? Sound doctrine. Oh, wow. Not corrupt, not tainted, not polluted with the ideas of men, but the pure, undefiled, incorruptible Word of God taught as it is written by the people who hold it fast to the people. It was written for. That's what we're doing here this morning by God's grace. That's what the church of God needs more than anything else in this world. By doing this, Paul said, not only will the pastor be enabled to exhort those who take heed to the word of God, but he'll be able to convict those who take aim at the word of God. Paul said, look back in your text, and to convince the gainsayers. What's a gainsayer? We'll look at that here in just a moment. What does it mean to convince a gainsayer? The word convince here means to prove the error of another person. To demonstrate that that person is wrong. And if you're taking notes in the Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 46. The Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 46. Jesus used this same Greek word. He asked this question to his enemies. Which of you convinces me of sin? In other words, Jesus asked them, Who here among my enemies that are speaking out against me, which one of you can prove that I have sinned? So Paul is saying that a pastor must hold fast to the teaching of God's word so that he will be able to prove that that gainsayer is wrong. That the gainsayer is an error. Okay, so what is a gainsayer? A gainsayer is someone who is speaking out and opposing 
what the Bible teaches. Okay. Now, maybe they're opposing it in the sense that they say, oh, we don't believe the Bible. Maybe they're opposing it in the sense that they're attacking our belief in salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. Whatever it is, however it is, when it comes to the teaching of the Bible, one of the greatest challenges a pastor faces is the opposing voice of this rebellious world because they are relentless and they are dishonest when it comes to their opposition. The world speaks against the existence of God. The world speaks against the inspiration of the Scripture. The world speaks against salvation through Jesus Christ alone. The world speaks against the uniqueness of the inspired, infallible gospel message. Through the fallen world system, Satan does everything he can to oppose, to gainsay, the faithful witness of God's Word. And that's why pastors have to hold fast to the Scriptures. Because only by doing that can a pastor be able to demonstrate, by sound doctrine, the error of that enemy's ways. I, this young man that wrote me last night, I love having fresh, real examples to draw from. This young man that wrote me last night, uh, he talked about how he was, um, uh, again, uh, studied the Seventh-day Adventist and how he studied from somebody else and some other things. And he said how he was confused. He said, I thought I understand, but I was confused. He said, and I, I listened to a couple of your sermons and I finally found your website, knowimsaved.com. He said, now, I listened to the gospel message on there. I have, I have a message entitled, What is the Gospel? And explains the gospel from Adam and Eve all the way to the cross. He said, I listened to your message. What is the gospel? He said, when I did, he said, things began to fall into place. And I recognize that this is the truth. And that's the, the beautiful thing about it. But see, if, if, we, if we just teach sound bites, if we just say things that, uh, that, that sound good and, uh, and sound religious that we've heard other people say, you can't recognize truth in that. Only through the clear teaching of God's word can the truth be recognized. A pastor, listen, who cannot convince you that the devil is a liar, cannot assure you that the Bible is true. Sometimes the lies of this world can sound very convincing. Y'all been Christians, a lot of y'all, for a long time. But how many of you, let's be honest... How many of you have ever heard someone make an argument against the Bible or exist against the existence of God or against the existence of Jesus Christ or salvation by grace through faith alone? When you were saved, you've heard an argument against it. That argument was so cleverly worded. It may be some scripture even put in or whatever, that when you heard it, it troubled you for a little bit and you had to go make sure that you were right. That ever happened to anybody here? Sure happened to me a bunch of times. The devil is clever. The devil can shake you to your very core. And the God's word has to be held on to. A pastor has to hold on to it so he can convince the gainsayers as well as exhort those uh, who come to hear God's word. Sometimes the lies of this world can, can sound very convincing and, and make a Christian begin to question what they believe. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian. That means we have a real enemy. That's very clever and very dishonest. I remember a few years ago seeing an advertisement on television about a program, a 
documentary. Now, they love calling them documentaries. I think I told you all about it when I watched it. They had this program, this documentary on TV that was going to come on that said that they think they may have located the body of Jesus in the Holy Land. Big deal. Now, I want to tell you, when you put something like that on television, that's a very big deal. Did anyone see that besides me, that documentary? You saw it? Y'all probably came away with the same opinion I did of it. <laughs> when you put something like that on television, it's a big deal because if Jesus' body is still in a tomb somewhere, if it's still in some kind of burial site here on earth, then the gospel's not true. And all hope of us being raised from the dead and living forever is completely lost if Jesus is still here on earth somewhere. Because the Bible is not true and death has not been overcome. So when gainsayers put documentaries like that on television, a pastor needs to be able to demonstrate with sound teaching how those unsound gainsayers are wrong. I remember addressing it after I saw it. When gainsayers spoke against salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ to the Galatian church, what did Paul do? Paul didn't attack the character of the people who were teaching falsely. Paul came in there and he began using sound doctrine. He began using the Old Testament, in fact, taking the faithful witness of God's word and teaching about Sarah and Abraham and Hagar and how one represents Mount Sinai, the other represents the new covenant. And he began showing how those legalizers, those gainsayers were wrong. As long as this world continues, there's always going to be challenges to the gospel. There's always going to be gainsayers opposing the truth of God's word. But by sound doctrine, a pastor can convince them of the error of their way, or they can at least convince you when you hear them that they are wrong. Because a, past, a person who wants to know the truth, like this young man Cameron that wrote in, a, pastor, a person who wants to know the truth will recognize the truth when they hear it. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. I want to take your pens now, please. Look back in your text. I want you to underscore the phrase that he may be able. You see that? That he may be able. That word able there in the Greek is where we get a word dynamite from. So we're talking about power here. Actual power. In the Greek, Paul is literally saying that he may have power. Power to exhort the people who take heed to the word of God. Power to correct the people who take aim at the word of God. And what gives the pastor this power? Paul said that power comes. Look back in your text. Paul said that power comes by what? Sound doctrine. That he may by sound doctrine be able by sound doctrine, be empowered. Listen, there is only one way to have sound doctrine, and that's by sound study of God's Word. There's no other way. It's by getting in the Scriptures, setting aside everything but those Scriptures, and letting the Scriptures speak for themselves. What does this Word 
mean in the original language? What is the grammar here? Who is the, the, the writer speaking to? What is the context that surrounded here and what's being said and, and what was the history and what was happening here on this occasion? And letting the scripture speak for itself by paying attention to what God is saying rather than paying attention to what man is saying and adding a scripture verse to it when you preach. By paying attention to the meaning, the context, and the spirit of every word. Paul said that he, by sound doctrine, may be able. He may have power to exhort and to convince. The deep, clear, and simple explanation of God's word is the most powerful thing on earth. I'm absolutely convinced of it. I'm going to say it again. The clear Deep and simple explanation of God's word is the most powerful thing on earth. It has the power to give life to the dead. It has power to give hope to the downcast. It has power to give strength to the weak. It has power to give wisdom to the fool. It has power to change lives, to reform governments, to cast down the wicked, and to heal the brokenhearted. Saints, you better make sure your pastor's teaching is rich with sound doctrine. For sermons with little doctrine... Our sermons with little power. For that, we'll go ahead and close. Just a few weeks ago, I was invited to preach at a uh, non-denominational church down the road. And I remember thinking, I don't have time to preach and come up with another sermon. I'm too busy. And I thought, no, you know, if I go and there's some people there, maybe I can help them. And so I began to consider it. And as I was beginning to consider the invitation, the pastor there told me, now, it won't be any doctrine. We can't preach any doctrine when you come. (laughs) I said, well, sir, you lost me there. Because I'm a very doctrinal kind of man. I love preaching doctrine. You know what I would have been if I'd have got up there and not preached doctrine? I've been a man with a lot of words, but a message with no power. Sound doctrine. The clear, deep, simple explanation of God's word. That word will then empower you to do everything God has ever called you to do. By the grace of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We thank you, Father God, that the message does not depend on On the pastor's creativity. The message does not depend so much even on the pastor's uh, secular education. The father, the message is the word of God itself. The message has already been given. The message just must be declared faithfully. We ask father God that you'll continue to help me and brother Shepherd. Have the understanding that we need. The Sunday school teachers to have the understanding that they need. And that we will hold fast to the faithful word. That we, Father, may be able to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Exhorting the saints and convicting the sinners. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray.